Well, my, my wife and I, we've been married three years, and uh, we've lived in three different places, right? Isn't that so fun? Uh, I said no one ever. And the first, in every single place that we've lived in, there was, there's always like something that made us love where we lived. Uh, our first place, we lived in Oceanside, and we, it was kind of a dog-friendly community, and we had a dog, and so they could kind of play, and that was fun. And there was a Starbucks that was within walking distance, which is very close to my heart, and that was fun. And uh, we had, and then we had a fireplace, and I, I love having a fireplace, like for me, is, is I'm just like one of those guys where like I want to get my hands dirty a little bit and like cut up some wood and like be that creepy guy that's like cutting wood that lives in an apartment. It's like, what is this guy doing? Uh, but that was my first place. Second place, we moved down here and uh, we, li- we moved over on the second street, Chula Vista. We lived right across the street from the KOA campground. And we love that because during that time, we welcomed a, a, a child and we were able to just put her in the stroller and go walk over there. And it was like, you just got like uh, transferred into some like distant land away from all the traffic and stuff. Uh, we love that. And again, that place had a fireplace. And so I was just getting my man on like doing that. And then the, the third place we moved uh, in, in Chula Vista. And we love that place. It has a, a park within walking distance, has attached garage, but it doesn't have a, it does not have a fireplace, right? And so I've been a little off ever since then. But one of the things that I've noticed is that every single place that we've lived in, there's always something that makes you love where you live. And, and I'm curious, I'm curious if I were to ask you, if I were to ask you, what, what's like something that you need to have uh, for you to be able to love where you live? Like what would those things be? Go ahead and yell those out to me. Shout those out. Like what, what are some things that you need? Go ahead and put this slide up, that first question. What, what's something that you need to be able to love where you live? What is that? Yell it out. Parking. Parking. Praise the Lord, right? I didn't even think about that, but parking. Yes. What else? Your own room, your own space, yes. Right, what else? Close to what? Close to places. Close, there you go, central, great, what else? What was a garage, a garage, amen to that, right? Because we need more room to put more of our stuff in, right? Uh, we need a garage, what else? A wife. A wife. Dude, you've won, you have won, like... Over, done. A wife, brilliant, very good, right? There's all these things, right? Some of us, we, we love to have, you know, uh, access to the freeways so that we can travel. Some of us, we'd like to have good schools, you know, it, you know that, those, those are things. But the point is, all of us have like one thing probably that, that enables us to love where we live. And here's where we're going this morning, is that Jesus, Jesus, uh, I believe, God wants us to love where we live. There's a lot of places in the scripture, but Jesus kind of narrowed down his teaching into one thing. And, and, he, and his thing was, if you want to be able to change the world, that involves loving where you live. But his thing was, uh, in order to do that, it takes loving God and loving our neighbor. Loving God and loving our neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, I love you. I love you, right? Right? Turn to your other neighbor and say, that was uncomfortable, right? That was uncomfortable, right? But God, God boils it down. And he says, if you, want to, if you want to fulfill what I have for your life, if you want to complete what I have for your life, then it's going to involve loving God, this like vertical relationship, but also it involves loving our neighbor and those that are next to us. However, however, as we launch this series, Love Where You Live, and as we have that picture of what Jesus is calling us to, in order to be able to do that, we got to have this thing in our life. 
There's like this thing that you need in your life, and if you don't have it, you can say goodbye to not only loving where you live, but but being able to make a difference with your life. And that thing is what I want to talk about this morning. And so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, the book of Luke. And I'm going to set up some context. You can grab a copy of the scriptures uh, and however you get it. On your outline, this little white piece of paper, there's some scriptures on there. You can follow along. You can uh, take some notes. But I'm going to set up some context for us very quickly this morning. And it's a very simple and straightforward teaching because we have some things that we need to do at the end. But, but in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and all of them have recorded uh, the, the life of Jesus. They, they were around this person, they were walking with this person, and everybody kind of had a different vantage point of what happened. And Luke is interesting to me because Luke was a physician. And so Luke is, he wrote Luke and Acts, and Luke is writing in a way where he's trying to, he's trying to grab as many details because he wants to portray, he wants to give this like accurate or complete picture of, of who Jesus was was. And so as you read Luke and you read Acts, it's important to pay attention to the details because that's why he was writing these things for us to grab those details. But in it, I believe that Luke was trying to answer two questions for the listener. Two things. One, I believe he's trying to answer this question of who is Jesus? This person shows up on the planet, gets a bunch of, gets people to follow him, and here we are thousands of years later sitting, reading stories about him, like, who is this person Jesus? The second thing I think he's trying to answer is, how did this happen? How did a handful of castaways come together, band together, and, and do something the world had never seen before? How does that happen? And it's interesting because Luke has a lot of different stories to paint this complete picture. But there's one passage that he puts in here. And it's in a a purposeful place. But it has some powerful implications for our life. And we can't just gloss over it. we got to be able to study it and understand it so that we can apply it. And so if you've got Luke chapter 10 beginning, we're going to be in verse 38. So if you've got it, would you say, I got it? All right, well, just for you, because the Twin Hills folks is here this morning, just for them, right? Verse 38 says this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. Everybody say Martha. Martha Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary. Hey, Mary, and Mary sat there at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, very quickly, I just want to pause and I want to pull something out from this passage. And, and it's this. How, how many of you, how many here, you, you enjoy hosting large groups of people? Are, is, are, is there anybody here? You enjoy having people over to your home? Like, is there anybody here? There's nobody here, right? Well, I'm so glad that you all came to our home here this morning, right? Right? <laughs> But, but it's one of those things where like we have to, you have to, when you invite anybody over, right, right whether it's like in-laws or kid, anybody, you, you always have to make arra- like the proper arrangements. So maybe a better question is this. Did anybody, uh, does anybody have Netflix in here? Say yeah. Okay, so some of us. Did anybody see the, the documentary on the fire Festival? Anybody that? Say yeah. Anybody here? A couple of head nods. Some of you are like, I'm in church. I don't know if I should agree to that or not, right? But, but in that, one of the things that you learn and you notice is that when you invite other people over, you've got to make the necessary arrangements for that. And what Luke is pointing out here and what he's identifying is that Jesus, Jesus and his crew is on their way somewhere. And one of the things you got to know about Jesus is that Jesus rarely, if ever, traveled alone. 
Like he, he was one of those guys that he was in the SUVs and they had all four of them in the front and the back. Like he, 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 he traveled with an entourage, like a group of people. And so if, G, if, if Jesus is coming to your house, that meant that there was a whole group of people that were coming to your house. And a big thing to understand too culturally is that hospitality was a big deal back then. Hospitality was a gigantic deal. Like for us today, hospitality is this. What do we do? When someone comes over, a group of people, what do we do? We grab the remote control and we tell them how to turn on the cable, right? We tell them how the thing works here. We say, hey, there's probably some water or something in the fridge. And then we say, hey, there's some, there's some pizza rolls in the freezer if you get hungry, right? Like that's our definition of hospitality. But in their day, hospitality was a gigantic deal. It was more, they were, they were responsible for the well-being of the, the people that they were inviting into their home. And so that often meant showers, like, so just think towels, think toilet paper, right? Like think all of the different pieces that were involved in this because it not only communicated stuff about you, but it communicated value about them. So it's a big deal. And what do we learn from the passage? Jesus is on his way and there's this person named Martha. Everybody say Martha. Martha, Martha does what? She opens her home to him. Now, this is very interesting to me because when I think about somebody that opens their home, like, like if you were to open your home to me, what, what you're doing is you're actually opening up what? Your lifestyle to me. Because if I were to come into your home, I would learn a lot of things about you. Maybe things that you don't want me to know, right? Like, I would learn a lot of things about you. I would learn, like, stuff you like to watch. I would learn stuff that you like to eat. Like, I might learn some stuff that you like to drink, right? I, I might learn some stuff about you. And Martha, what we learn about Martha is that Martha uh, had this thing. Remember, let's go back to that. The thing that you need in your life. Martha had this thing that enabled her to be able to, not, to, to open up her home, which I believe is opening up her life. Like, she opened up her life and her lifestyle to Jesus. Now, there's another person in the story, and the person's name is Mary. Everybody say Mary. And so Mary, what we learn about Mary and Luke, remember, is the physician. So he is, he is letting us know the things that he wants us to know. Luke puts in this part about Mary. He says that while Martha opened the home and was doing the thing, Mary was doing what? Put this up. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, what? Listening to what he said. So you have Martha opens up her, her home and her lifestyle to invite Jesus in. She has this thing. But then we learn about Mary. And Mary, and Luke is kind of contrasting these two because what Mary does is Mary opens up, I believe, her heart. She opens up her heart to Jesus. She's sitting there. She wants to hear what he has to say. Like there's always stuff to do. Like there's always things that need to happen. But here's Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, opening up her heart because she wants to hear what God has to say. And to me, like when you, when you open up your heart, that's like a vulnerable place to be, isn't it? Like when you open up your heart to somebody, that's like, that can be scary. Does anybody here, does anybody here remember like the first time that you thought you were in love? Does anybody remember that, right? Does anybody remember, there's like two people in here, oh my God, let me, we need to just stop and pray for you, right? But, but. Do you remember, do you, and, and I'm not, you know, you might be with the person and you're supposed to be like, I remember the first time I felt, I'm not talking about them. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about like the first time that you felt like you were in love, right? I, I remember the first time that I felt like I was in love. 
and, and no one could have changed my mind. I was in seventh grade. And I knew, I knew that I, I had, I felt a, a certain kind of way about a certain kind of person because I had this binder and it was my language arts binder and it was empty before I had met this person. But after I had met them, on the cover of my binder, I put, I heart Tasha. And that's how I knew that I had fallen in love. And then a week later when she broke up with me, I had to put a piece of paper over Tasha's name and put a different name in there, right? But, but, we, but when we think about this, when we think about falling in love with somebody, it's one of those things that's like the most rewarding thing on one hand, and it's the most scary thing on the other. Because it's like this person, not only could, do I feel like so, so strongly about them, like this could be the person for me, but at the same time, like I've opened myself up in such a way to where I'm scared and like this person could destroy me. Mary got to this place where she, she said, I've seen what I've needed to see about this person of Jesus. I've seen enough to know that I wanna, I wanna open up my heart to this person. But Mar- Mar- Martha and Mary both had this thing in their life that enabled them to be in both of those places. Because here's the thing. I think that they're both important. I think it's important for you to open up your life and your lifestyle to Jesus and what he wants to say and, and what he wants to do in your life. But, but you can't separate these things out. You can't just say, okay, God, here's my lifestyle without also giving your heart. And the, both of these things were present. Now, what are the, what's the thing that I'm talking about this morning? What is the thing that we all need and none of us really have? Margin. This word called margin, which sounds like a foreign word, foreign word in our like, American culture because it's like, you're like, ah, if I have margin, then I'm being like lazy, I should be busy, like I should be doing a lot of stuff. But, but if I were to ask you, what, what margin is, before putting this definition up, like what would you say? Like, if I were to ask you, like, what is margin, what would you say? Like, what's your answer to that? Space. You have space. You have space. Okay, what else? Anything else? Boundaries. Okay, okay. What else? Time. You have time in your life. Okay, what else? Great job. Great, right? So here's the, here's the, here's the definition of it. Margin is an amount allowed or available beyond what is actually necessary. So for definition's sake, it's an amount allowed or available beyond what is actually necessary. And just very, very quickly, just, for, uh, just to really kind of get this point across, is uh, a couple of examples. And, and this is an example that gets lost on, on us, uh, but if I were to give you $100 and you wanted to buy a pair of, of shoes and they cost $80, how much margin would you have? $20. Very good, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got it right, right? Like, let them know. If, if, and here's the other thing, if, if, you, if it takes 30 minutes, or if you have 30 minutes on your, you know, in your schedule, and it takes you 20 minutes to get to work, how much time of margin do you have left over? 10 minutes, right? One of my favorite, this is a side note, one of my favorite scenes from The Office, the show The Office, is uh, any Office fans in the room, like maybe a couple, 
Okay, like a couple, a couple of us is uh, Michael Scott, right? He's, uh, he's supposed to have created this like PowerPoint presentation and he hadn't set it up and his boss is there. And so he goes and he like walks through the steps and, he's, and it finally gets going and it says estimated time, 12 minutes. And then he turns around and he says, this will probably take like five or 10 minutes, right? I, I think that's like our view of margin and time. Like I know, I know it takes normal people 20 minutes to get somewhere, but you've never seen me drive, pastor. Like I can get there in 19, but this is margin. Now, why is margin so important? Like, I, well, first of all, from scripture, the scriptural context, I believe that this was the thing that was present in both Martha and Mary's life that enabled them, think about this, Jesus, the Messiah, right? God incarnate, God in the flesh, that they had enough, they had this thing in their life, margin, to where they were able to invite God into their home and invite God into their, into their heart. But there's another reason that I believe that, that, is, that this is important. I believe margin might be the most important thing that we need in our life at at this time. Now, what is, what is margin? Margin is the material, I believe, for, the, for loving where you live. Very quickly, just because I love little whiteboards here. This is our life, right? So this like represents our life. Whoop. And in our life, all of us have things that are essential to our life. What are those things that you have to do, right? What are those things in your life that are kind of like, you, you have to do those things? What are they? Yell them out. You got bills. Has anybody got bills? Like three people? Well, the rest of you, you can take us out afterwards, right? So bills, we got bills, which means we got work. What else? We got school. What else? We got kids. We got to eat. Yeah, there you go. We got a shower, which this, this one did not make it at the 9 a.m. list for some reason, right? <laughs> But if we, if we parse this out, right, like if we parse this out, all of us have, you know, something that is like necessary to our life, for our life. They're like the essentials in our life. But you'll notice that when we take care of the essential things, there's this other, there's like this extra white space over here and over here and over here and over here. This is what we call margin. This is having margin in your life. Now, many of us, this looks like some sort of dream or something we've never seen before in our life. But this is margin, and I would argue, I would argue that margin, that, that some of the more meaningful things that have happened in your life, some of the more significant things that have happened in your life were the result of you having margin in your life. I remember um, when I, I had met my now wife, Crosby, the one, my true love, there you go, right? It's my true love. I remember when I, when I met her, when we met each other, like she was, uh, she was finishing up nursing school. She was uh, training to run the San Diego Half Marathon. She was living in San Diego. I was living up in Orange County. And we were both, you know, obviously like very, like very busy people. But the funny thing happened. A funny thing happened. Even though we were like unbelievably busy, like her more busy than me. In fact, she actually told me one time I had seen her and I said, hey, when's the next time I get to see you? It's like a romantic thing to say, right? <laughs> She said, well, what's the date? I, it was like, you know, like the first or second of the month. She said, probably like the 24th. I was like, 24th? Good Lord, right? So obviously I had a little bit more margin in my life than she did. But the funny thing happened. Even though we had all this busy stuff, even though we had these like essential things that were going on in our life, the funny thing is, is that I and her, we still found margin for each other. Like we still found some time for each other. And you know what this tells me? This tells me that we will create margin for the things that matter in our life. 
we'll create margin for the things that matter in our life. How many of you, you're kind of like, you know, penny pension, kind of tight financially, you know, but all of a sudden like that 65-inch television came out at Costco and finally they dropped it $50 and like you didn't even know how you were going to pay the rent, but you found a way to buy that TV, right? <laughs> because we'll find, we'll find margin, we'll find margin for the things that matter in our life. And as we launch this series, as we launch a series called Loving Where You Live, where I hope and pray that that God will stir your soul, that God will stir in your spirit for you to begin to see the purpose in where God has placed you. If you don't have margin in your life, there's no way that you're going to get to that point. Because when you don't have margin in your life, all you're doing is you're operating around me, myself, and I. But there's a better way. And the reason that this is important is because Many of us are margin-less. And what I love about the story is that we're not alone in this. It continues in verse 40. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Distracted. Right? Distracted. She's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked him, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Has anybody ever been in that spot before, right? Ever been in that place? And then there's two things that Luke is pointing out to us. The first thing is he's showing a progression in the story. There's a pattern in the story. And in the beginning, you noticed that as Jesus and entourage arrived, Martha had enough margin in her life to be able to welcome a a lot of people into her home and made the necessary arrangements. But as she was doing a good thing, as she was doing this part over here, and maybe some of us are here this morning, you know, we've been following Jesus, we've been like doing good, we've been working with kids a lot, we're doing something good over here. If you don't pay attention and keep your eye on what's important, what happens is, is that you you start to get a little distracted. Everybody say distracted. We get distracted. And then we, we, we're doing all the good stuff. We're doing the things that we need to be doing. And, and we're getting distracted. We're kind of missing the whole point of what it was all about. And then we get all the way over to this point where we have completely lost it. We're overwhelmed. And for some of us that are following Jesus, we find ourselves in this place over here telling God what he needs to do rather than listening to what he might want to do. All because we get distracted. I got a, a, a ticket recently. Yeah, how, how fun is that, right? Like, <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I, I, it was like my first ticket since college. It was literally almost like 15 years. And we were you know, out, in the, out uh, heading to a wedding in the desert. And, uh, and sure enough, like, um, he just was there and I saw him and it was like too late, you know, to, to slow it down. He's highway patrolman. And, you know, but, but I had this like impeccable driving record, right? No points, like no problems, none of those things. And I thought, you know, I getting pulled over. My wife's giving me the eye or the corner of her eye, right? And, and, uh, and I got pulled over. I'm just joking. She would never do that. My wife's too loving and too lovely to do that, right? But I get pulled over and I thought, oh, you know, like, hey, you know, he, he's for sure he's going to give me a pass. Like he's going to pull up my record. 
record and notice there's like no problems, like no felonies, like no anything. He's just going to come to the window and he's going to find out that I'm a pastor because, because doesn't God bless good people, right? He's like, God, he's going to he's gonna say, hey, we don't need to do that. And, but sure enough, he just like came right to the window, license and registration, came back three minutes later, and here's your $260 present, right? And it's like, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But I, so I, I go to the traffic school and, or, or uh, online, I did the online traffic school thing, and, and it was interesting to me, I'm one of those nerds that kind of read all of the stuff because I didn't want to like fail my traffic test quiz at the end, like I wanted to get behind me. And it was interesting because you could kind of reduce all of the stuff and the content that they were saying really down to kind of two areas. One area was they were communicating if people would just be kind to one another on the road. Like if people would just be kind to one another, there would be less uh, traffic problems and and less congestions if we would just be kind. And it was interesting because the other part was, is that they said if people would just stop being distracted on the road. They said distracted driving is one of the biggest causes of fatalities that we have. Being distracted. And I thought about this and it was interesting to me because, and I want to make a little bit of a parallel, a little bit of a jump, but I wonder how many of us were were trying to follow Jesus, we're trying to do something good in our life, and along the way we get distracted, doing the thing, doing good things. That's the thing. Martha was doing good stuff. She was like making Chick-fil-A sandwiches for the Messiah, right? (laughs) She's doing good things over here. But she got distracted. And I wonder how many of us on our journeys and in walking this life out that we get distracted and we don't end up where we want to go, but we actually find ourselves in a place that we don't want to go. She's distracted. She's distracted. And where Luke places this particular passage is not an accident. You'll notice, those that are going to go home and read around this scripture, that this passage is placed after the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, many of us know, was the story of what it actually looks like to love our neighbor. And then right after this passage, Luke records it was the time when the disciples wanted to learn how to pray. And so he puts a passage about margin between two of maybe the most important things in the life of a follower of Jesus, loving our neighbor and praying to our Heavenly Father, aren't possible if we don't have margin in our life. So what do we do? The application is very simple. It's very simple. We choose choose to have margin in our life. I want you to notice Jesus's response. Now think about this for a moment. Martha, doing all the good stuff, making you know, making the sandwiches, like making sure everything is, ha- you know, going good. You, you would imagine that, you know, Jesus saw this and saw what was going on and realized she was busy doing a lot of good things. You think Jesus would have started barking some commands. Peter, off your butt. Let's go, right? You think they would be telling, hey, Mary, enough listening. You can listen to the podcast later. Get to work, right? You would imagine that that was what Jesus would say, but it's not what he says. Look what he says in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, Tim, Tim, John, John, Marissa, Marissa, Shelly, Shelly. He says, you're worried, you're worried and you're upset about a lot of things. And here's kind of an idea. There's always gonna be something to worry about. 
There's always going to be something to be upset about. There's always going to be good work that needs to be done. Pastor, you don't understand. We've got to do this right now. This good thing needs to happen right now in order for us to get to where we need to go. There's always going to be, you know, Pastor, you don't understand where my relationship is. You don't understand where my kids are at at this point. Pastor, you don't understand what's going on at work. There's always something to be worried and upset about. Jesus says, but listen to me. There's only one thing that is needed. She has chosen what's better, and I'm not going to take that away from her. Listen to this. Don't miss this. All the stuff that you got going on in your life. You got some stuff going on in your life? I'm sure you do as I've got stuff going on in my life. But Jesus says, don't miss this. All this stuff that you're worried about, there's only one thing that's needed, and that is for you to sit at my feet and to listen to what I have for your life. If you will get yourself to this point where you will listen to what I have, all the stuff that you're worried and you're concerned about, I have a way of making that thing happen. But if you will get to me and sit with me, I will get you to where you need to go. This was his message. And this is our application. We have to create margins in our life. We have to create margins in our life. This is just a good ha ha, rah rah, how, man, hallelujah, pastor was so good today. What time does the taco place open, right? If we don't begin to actually implement this into our life. We know, just go home and do a, a Google search. We know statistically that we are, we are more stressed out, we are, we are more overweight, we are more worried about things than we, that we need to be worried about. Why? You think God is surprised by all that stuff? He's saying, come over here. And in Matthew chapter 11, he says, listen, he says, come, you who are weary, I'll give you rest. Come, you, you who are tired, you who are upset, you who are anxious, come to me. I have a different way of living life. And it's still a life of purpose. It's still a life of meaning, but I have a different rhythm. The message says, come and learn the rhythms of grace. This is how God intended for us to live out our lives as human beings. Not toiling, not struggling, not trying to be the Marthas that are just trying to do all of the good things, but rather when we sit at the Lord's feet, he will get us to where we need to go. But you gotta choose margin in your life. And very quickly, if I can go here, you can't have margin in your life if your finances are a mess. Because the reason that we don't have this, I think a big reason, is because we are so in debt, we're so stressed out because of it, and, we, and, we, and so then what we do is we say, God, you don't understand. I got kids to feed. I got bills to pay. That Cox bill ain't gonna pay itself. Like, right? like, and so what we say is we say, okay, God, here's, here's what you get. Here's what you get. Now solve all of my problems. Do this. Now solve all. God, I'm giving you 15 minutes this week. Some of us, we struggle to get to church once a month. We just, and the point is, is that we, what it tells me, it doesn't tell me you're a bad person, doesn't, tell, doesn't say any of those things. All it tells me is that we have some serious issues with creating margin in our life. God has better for us. That's what I wanna invite you into through this series and through this experience is to create margin in your life. And, and just one last question, and then we're gonna transition, is this. Like, what if the thing that you need, like you're looking for, you're anxious about, what if that thing is, is waiting for you, that answer, that healing, that decision, that, that question? What if, what if that thing is waiting for you in God's presence? 
Now, some of this, I'm using some churchy language about being in God's presence. All that simply means is that you're going to put yourself in a position where you've got a little bit of quiet, you've got a little bit of silence, and you're just going to say, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's totally fine. You can still, you can still do the same thing. You just open yourself up and you say, God, what is it that you want to say to me? This pastor was talking about something. I'm interested in that. What is it that you will say to me? And if you will listen, God will speak. God will speak. God will speak.